0: Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com, a service of the Salem Media. Versions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: What is the old man? Basically, the old man is all that we were in Adam before our salvation, it's our sinfulness. It's everything we were in Adam before knowing Christ. It's the old man. It's the pagan walk. It's us before salvation. That's as simple as I could explain it. It's the former way we were. And what is the new man? The new man is all that we are in Christ. All that we've been studying in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, all that we have, forgiveness, redemption, holiness, blamelessness, righteousness, a new mind, all that's in Christ is the new man. Righteous and holiness in the Lord, clothed in his righteousness.
0: The old man, the new man. The old self, the new self. A simple truth that is profoundly astonishing. Our old man or our old self is everything we were before Christ, whereas the new man and the new self are everything we are in Christ. This concept of putting off and taking on is crucial for us to understand. At the moment of our salvation, we exchanged our old clothes for a new set of clothes, It's a dramatic imagery of showing that we made a break with our past. Much like a police officer upon retirement will hang up his uniform because he is no longer an officer. They hang up their uniform and put on civilian clothes to announce a change from the former way of life to a new way. Welcome to the Verse by Verse radio program with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. As we continue on through this series of The Walk of the New Man, we can banish any thoughts of changing our actions and instead focus on a new way of thinking. Pastor Steve has a great lesson ready for us today. So if you would like to turn in your Bible to Ephesians 4, verses 22-24, through we'll be ready to start today's
1: lesson. In order to be a Christian, you have to know the truth about sin, about God, about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the atonement, his death for us, about faith, lots of things. You don't need to know a great deal. You don't have to be great theologians, but you do need to know basic truths in order to be saved. But they had also been instructed in the truth about holiness. The question is this. He's speaking about holiness. He says you've been instructed in the truth, but the question is this. What exactly is the truth that they had been taught that leads to holiness. What have they been taught? If pagan futility and darkness leads to immorality, then what is the truth that sets Christians free and leads to holiness and righteousness? Well, I think the answer is in verses 22 through 24. So let's look at it that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now let me try to make this as clear and as plain as possible. What is the old man? Basically, the old man is all that we were in Adam before our salvation. It's our sinfulness. It's everything we were in Adam before knowing Christ. It's the old man. It's the pagan walk. It's us before salvation. That's as simple as I could explain it. It's the former way we were. And what is the new man? The new man is all that we are in Christ. All that we've been studying in Ephesians chapter one through three, all that we have, forgiveness, redemption, holiness, blamelessness, righteousness, a new mind. All that's in Christ is the new man. Righteous and holiness in the Lord, clothed in his righteousness. It's probably a good expression because we're speaking about clothing, a covering. Now, I have read a lot of commentaries this week and last week concerning this, and I'm not pleased with most of them. Now, I'm not setting myself above them, but I want to tell you what most of them interpret this to be saying. Most Bible commentaries say that Paul is commanding these believers to lay aside the old self and put on themselves the new self. And I, I think that's wrong, and I'll tell you why. You can't know it just from the just from the uh the grammar. There has to be something more. There is something about the grammar, but not totally, that would indicate that uh that that's really not what Paul was saying. I take it, and I'm going to explain in a moment why I take it that he's telling us that this has already taken place in the past. He's simply reminding them of the truth that they had already been taught in Jesus, and now they just need to appropriate that and remember that. Have a renewed mind. Let me tell you why I I don't think he's giving a fresh command. I think he's giving, just reminding them of old commands that he had taught them. Number one, in the grammar, this is an tense. Now an aorist tense means past action most of the time, punctiliar, something that happened in the past, in po- a point in time. That's the tenses that are used here. Now the main reason I hold that it's, he's not commanding them, but just reminding them of the truth they had already been taught is the context. For one thing, he's been referring to the truth that they have already been taught in Christ. They had already been taught this. That's the context. As truth is in Jesus, you've learned him, you've been taught, you've heard him, you've been taught in him, and so forth. That's the context. But there's something more to the context. Look at verse 25. This is where he begins to apply it. And Lord willing, we'll see this next week in the application of this. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, and so forth. Therefore, now, on down through this chapter, he, he begins to command them, begins to make practical application. It wouldn't make sense to say, therefore, if he was already commanding them in the verses before. Let me explain. Therefore builds upon what has just been written. It always does. I mean, that's why you say, therefore. And you wouldn't base a command upon another command, that's just not done in Scripture. You don't base a command on another command. You uh, have present commands which are built upon past facts. That's just Paul's way of, of always dealing with things. We said before, here's the facts, here's the doctrine, here's the content, therefore I want you to do this. You don't say, I command you to do this, I command you to do this, I command you to do this, therefore I command you to do this. That, that doesn't make sense. Commands are based upon facts, not other previous commands. So the is tense, the context, there's another reason. I'd like you to turn over just two books to Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Now, you know that Scripture interprets Scripture. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And when there's a parallel passage in Scripture, you've got to go to that because that gives great uh, light. It sheds great light upon other passages. The parallel passage to this in Ephesians is Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. And in Colossians 3, 9 and 10, it is very clear, very clear that, that it is in the past. And maybe, maybe I think I said that it was aorist in, in Ephesians. Maybe the, the real thought here is that this is aorist, and so we put them together. Do not lie one to another, since you laid aside the old self with practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now that's very clear here. In the past, you put off the old self, and you've also put on the new self. And, and if you examine this passage, you'll see how similar it is to what Paul is teaching in Ephesians. So it's already taken taken place. So Paul isn't giving the Ephesians fresh commands, but reminding them of all truths they had been that he had taught them. This is the truth they had been taught in Jesus. Now what is this truth? At the moment of our salvation, we exchanged our own, our old clothes for a new set of clothes. This is the imagery that Paul uses here. Dramatic way. It's just dramatic imagery of showing that we've had a break with our past. How can we illustrate it? Think of a military man. Someone who's been in the service for years. Military man, He he, he retires from service. He takes off his uniform for perhaps the last time. He takes it off, he puts it on a hanger, and he hangs it up in the closet. He looks at that, that represents his old way of life, because he's retired now. He takes a new uh, suit out of the closet, and he puts it on himself, puts on his civilian clothes. Now he has to act like a civilian. He's no longer a soldier. He doesn't have to behave like a soldier, and, and in fact, he shouldn't behave like a military man. He's in his civvies now, and he ought to act like a civilian, That's what Paul's really getting at. We've put off the old life. We're not to act that way anymore. We've put on the new self, the new man. We're to act that way. Righteousness and holiness. You know, in the early church, when people were baptized, they would take off their old clothes and be baptized in a small amount of clothing and be given a pure white robe to wear when they emerged from the water. You know why? This was to symbolize what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4, putting off the old and putting on the new. And that's good because that's what baptism is all about. We've been been buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. See, from our perspective, salvation is taking off the old and putting on the new. But from God's perspective, he's done it all. We really don't do it. I mean, I don't want you to go away thinking that we do everything involved in salvation. We don't. It's just a dramatic... Uh, imagery of saying we've taken off the old, we've put on the new. But from God's perspective, he's done it all. Romans chapter 6 says our old man was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says that that Paul says I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. From God's perspective, he's taken care of the old man. From our perspective, we take him off and put on the new man. And the Ephesians are told that they had already become new. Do you know that you're new? Do you realize that? You're new. You're You're brand new in Christ. You've been given a new nature, a new mind, new desires. Everything is new. Now we've got to act that way. The real us is righteous. It's holy. And you see, that's why it's so inconsistent for a Christian to be involved in the old way of life. It's like he's put on his old rags again. And who wants to put on old rags, old stinky, smelly rags, when you've had fresh... New suit, clothes on. That lifestyle is just inconsistent with the uniform that we now wear. And we need to know that. See, the great need of God's people is to live holy lives. As I said last week, we're so much like the world, the way we handle money, the way we talk, the jokes that we say, the things that we laugh at on television. We're, we're so much like the world. Christians are getting divorced left and right Christians are, are uh, delinquent in the way they, they handle their children. And we're so much like the world, and really, we're to blame. We're to blame. And we're to blame also because we don't present the gospel the way we ought to present the gospel. Do you know that? I, I blame us just as much. Even if we don't behave like that, we do an injustice when we don't tell somebody when we're presenting the gospel that they need to have a break from their old way of life. We cheapen the very grace of God when we when we only say, when we say you just have to believe and what we give. It, now, that's true technically, but what that comes across as is this, just know it in your mind. Just know it in your mind. And what we really are, are propagating is, is easy believism. You say, I didn't know believism was that hard. It really isn't, except that involved in true saving faith is repentance. Repentance means a change of mind. A change of mind. And repentance is part of saving faith. When Jesus came preaching, you know what he first said? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, he's telling the Ephesian elders what his message was. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, he says, repent. Repent. That's, that's the first message. Repent. And, and put yourselves away from this wicked generation. We're to cut off with the old way of, of life. And I'm not saying that we're to cut off all our old friends. We're to witness to them. But we're to cut off that sinful lifestyle. It isn't just enough to say we believe the facts. We've got to proclaim that it's necessary to turn from personal sin in order to turn to Christ. I'd like you to see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I think we need to remember that, that that is the gospel a desire to turn, a willingness to forsake sin. You can come to Jesus and believe that he died for your sin and yet want to continue in sin and not have any desire to turn from it when we're aware of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, speaking of uh, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, for they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols. That's true conversion. You turn to God, but you turned away from idols. Can someone really be a true believer in the Lord and continue in idols? No, no. You turn from idols to God. We turn from sin to Christ. And we've got to tell people this. We've got to tell people these things. Because they get the idea that, oh, you could just accept Jesus, you know, just sure. I mean, I've told you before about the rich young ruler. Lord Jesus made it very difficult for him. He put his finger right on the man's uh, sinful nerve, and that was covetousness. Jesus didn't say, just accept the gift. That's all that's involved. Basically, what, he's, what he was saying is, rich young ruler, unless you see your sin and turn from it, you can come to me. You see, it's hypocrisy to say we're going to accept Christ as, as our sin bearer and yet continue in sin, and yet that's what a lot of people want to do. People who aren't married living together and they just, oh, sure, I'll accept Jesus. And and they never, they just go on living together and never do anything about it. Listen, I I seriously question whether a person has really accepted Christ. That's the way it is. But we have got to tell people that you cannot accept Jesus and, and drag the garbage of your old sinful life into the new life. It just doesn't go. The old man goes off. The new man comes on. That's what, that's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If any man be in Christ, what? He's a new creation, a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. It's new. Positionally, we're, we're righteous before God. Now let's live righteously, he says. Now you say it's difficult to keep from acting like the old clothes are still on me. That's true. I have difficulty. You have difficulty in that. But look at verse 23. Sandwiched in between the old man and the new man is the connecting thought that puts it all together. And you, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, Paul didn't just teach the Ephesians this truth, that they had taken off the old and put on the new. But he also taught them that they needed to think about this truth. Say, we need to think about it. We need to reckon it so. We need to constantly let this truth penetrate our minds that the, that the old life is past. We don't wear that set of clothes. And we've got to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We need to appropriate this truth every day. We've got to think like new men, and new women, and new people, and new creatures in Christ. In other words, we're to think in accord with who we are. We've got a new mind, so let's think in a new way. That's why it's so important to understand what God says is taking place in our lives. That's why we spend so much time in Ephesians 1 through 3. which is building truth into your life so you think upon that. In fact, Romans chapter 12, great verse, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You want to know how to keep from being transformed into the world system, living like the world? Well, Paul tells us, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. How, Paul? How do I keep from being conformed to this world? But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. How does our mind get renewed? To renew simply means to make something new. Got to think differently. Got to think new thoughts. God wants our mind to be different than they once were. How were they once? Futility of minds, right? That's the pagan. Ignorance, darkness. How are they to be renewed and to think differently? Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. How are we to be Renewed, How are we to be transformed by the word of God dwelling in our minds and specifically thinking upon the great truth that the old man has come off and the new man has come on? We have to think of ourselves as being blameless and righteous in God's sight. And if you think that way enough, you're going to live that way. See, if you've never been taught that, that the old past is gone, and you're going to just say, well, let's live like that. No. Break from those habits, because now you're different. You're different, think differently. We aren't to walk in the futility of our minds, but in the newness of our minds. John Stott, in his excellent book, Your Mind Matters, says this, self-control is primarily mind control. What we sow in our minds, we reap in our actions. Feed the minds is a slogan to the current campaign for the spread of Christian literature. It bears witness to the fact that men's minds need to be fed as much as their bodies. And the kind of food our minds devour will determine the kind of person we become. Healthy minds have a healthy appetite. We must satisfy them with health-giving food and not with dangerous intellectual drugs and poisons. That's true. That's the way our minds are to be. Do you ever wonder why Paul constantly says throughout the New Testament, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren? Why doesn't he want us to be ignorant? Now, his aim isn't to make us ashamed of our ignorance. He's not trying to put us down and say, boy, you're really dummies. No, but rather it's to have the truth. He wants us to know the truth so that the truth might grip our minds so that it might mold our character. That's what he's saying. The whole battle for holiness is really... In the mind. It's either won there or it's lost there. And Satan wants to grab hold of your mind. If you hear error enough, you just believe it. You'll be weakened. And so, what are we saying tonight? We're saying the past is gone. Let's live differently. Let's think differently. How much time do you spend in the Word of God? How much time do you spend in the Word of God? I remember hearing the story Donald Gray Barnhouse, great Presbyterian minister. Great man of the Word, he was on a train one day with a tremendous Bible teacher, and uh, the Bible teacher had his Bible out. Donald Barnhouse had his newspaper out, and Barnhouse said, "Tell me, how can I know so much uh, how, do, how can I know as much about the Bible as you do?" and He said, "For one thing, you could spend more time in, your, in the Bible than you do in your newspaper. Barnhouse put his paper away and he decided to spend more time in the Word of God listen we 've got to get in." to the word of God, not just to fill our minds with knowledge. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be spiritual eggheads. I mean, theological eggheads, knowing all the doctrines and spouting them off. But we want to know the doctrines, not to spout them off, but to have our character changed and molded. Let's bow for prayer. You may need to do some repenting in your life. What do you think, on? What are you feeding your brains? Because if you're feeding your brains garbage, then your life is basically garbage too not in the sense of what it's worth, but in the sense of your, your quality of living. God wants a pure church. You know, when we're not pure, you know what happens? The Lord is disgraced. Unbelievers look at us and they say, so that's a Christian, huh? Well, they're no different than, than my neighbor who's not a Christian. They're no different than me. Why should I accept his gospel? He's got a good point. But oh, when they see the truth lived out, then they're going to take notice. As I told you last week, one philosopher said, show me your redeemed life, and I might believe in your Redeemer. Are you showing people your redeemed life? Are you thinking like a redeemed person? Or do you walk in futility of your mind? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking about? What goes on in your mind? I'm not talking about when you get to church. I assume that when you get here, your your thoughts pretty much are centered on worship. But what do you think about during the week? You see, it's those moments when our minds are free to wonder, that the battle really rages.
0: So, that's a Christian. Hmm. My hope is that no one would say that about you or me in a negative way. God wants a pure church. What a great reminder for us. Pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff has been teaching on The Walk of the New Man, highlighting for us some of the changes that take place in us When we put our faith in Christ and encouraging us to check our lives, to see if we are walking as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Pastor Steve has been the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel since 1981. His verse by verse teaching has been a blessing to many people, both in the church and in the listening audience of this radio station. So we would encourage you to check out versebyverseradio.org for more information about the teaching of Pastor Steve and the Verse by Verse Radio program. You will also find a message archive there so that you can go back and listen to previous programs of Verse by Verse that you might have missed. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse, and I hope you will be able to join us again next time.